0: Most trainers need a trainer. It's about more than what you lift or how you look. It's about more than strength. Welcome to More Than Strength. I'm Dan Flanick, joined by Maddie Fuller, the co-hosts. That's okay. Uh, In today's episode, we're going to talk about why all fitness certifications are absolutely not equal. I think that, well, the majority of the the public and people listening, um, they probably have no idea there's like so many varieties of certifications that are out there and that, um, well, first off, certifications don't really mean all that much, so don't invest too much in them, but I'm going to hit on a couple different ones today that, um, you know, you could take into consideration, uh, the, the ones that are like the most... I'd say the high, the closest thing to the gold standard. And if somebody has one of these, you're getting closer to having a trainer or a, a professional um, that really understands how to make you better. And that's not always the case because someone might have all the best certifications in the world and really have no idea what they're doing. Um, just like, you know, there might be an MD or a doctor who, who's a terrible doctor, right? It's, it's kind of all all fields have that kind of thing. right? Not everyone is equal. Um, I do think the fitness world is probably one of the worst for that, but maybe that's just my bias because I'm heavily involved in it. Uh, However, we're going to talk to you today about three different certifications one is what you know the general public or most people would in the field would think of as the gold standard another one that's more for the college world but gets a little bit closer to being an even golder standard, standard. and then the, the starting strength credential uh, which is you know in my opinion the the most rigorous and difficult and certification in the field and if you, if somebody has that then you I would trust anybody who has that with uh, with training my mom training my grandmother um, so let's uh, let's get started Matt. do you have any questions to start off
1: yeah, yeah, so you, you're talking about a couple of different certifications, but how many certifications are out there? I know there's more than just the ones that you're talking yeah, about.
0: We could talk. We could spend a week talking about how many different certifications there are, how many weekend certifications, how many you know, online certifications. There, there, I don't even know how many there are. Hundreds of them, probably, do, at mm-hmm. least dozens. Um, but I would say probably hundreds of, their, of certifications that are available, um, most of which you can get right now. <laughs> You can go read a book and go take a test right now, <laughs> go for it. Or you can spend a couple hours at a weekend seminar and be and be certified um, to train other human beings. Right, that's all you need. Man, that's crazy. <laughs> Hope you could sense the sarcasm. But uh, yeah, <laughs> but first I wanted to uh, share this this definition of what is basically this whole idea of. Uh, scientific coach versus a non-scientific coach and there's an excerpt from an exercise physiology book that so this is an exercise physiology book that was you know it came out 20 years ago actually 21 years ago um in 96 but that means it was written before that so it's over 20 years ago and we still as a field don't understand this um the the vast majority of people Uh, and i'm just going to take an excerpt out of it that i wanted to read and, and here's how it goes One might ask, are physical educators, coaches, and other clinicians and practitioners scientists? The answer depends on their approach to problem-solving. Teachers and coaches who systematically evaluate their selection and training of individuals can be considered scientists. The scientist-coach introduces an exercise stimulus and systematically evaluates the response. The non-scientist-coach, in contrast, administers the training problem according to whim, such as mimicking the techniques of successful athletes or by conforming tenaciously to traditional practices. Although non-scientist coaches are sometimes successful, they are rarely innovative and seldom help an individual perform optimally. Moreover, their accomplishment is episodic, and they rarely sustain success in training athletes. For progress to occur in any field, systematic innovation is absolutely essential. Now that's really powerful to me. To sit there and like, if, there, if I can give a definition of what a real, true trainer or coach is it's it's they're a scientist if you think about it we're manipulating if you go back and listen to the last episode they're manipulating that whole idea all comes back down to the stress recovery adaptation cycle which we talked about to exhaustion last episode so you can go back and listen to that and i think that the majority of the certifications in the field if not almost all of them aside from really one or two um they are not they're teaching scientists, scientific coaches. Um, it's more about, you know, you see the people with typical certifications out there. It's, it is more, to, it leans more toward that mimicking of what they see on YouTube and Instagram and whatever cool thing that they see that they think would be cool and make their clients hot, tired, and sore. And remember, if we go back to differentiating between exercise versus training exercise, that is the goal to make people hot, sweaty, and sore. But that doesn't mean you're making them better because soreness only means that you're doing something or you've done something that you haven't previously done. <laughs> That's the simplest way to put it, right? So I can make you sore tomorrow, Maddie, if I went in and said, hey, instead of do a set of five, do a set of ten. But is that necessarily going to make you stronger as as well as doing a set of five and going up in weight? No. But are you going to be as sore tomorrow if you do a set of five and go up in weight? You're probably not very sore at all anymore right after a couple of weeks of the right. program so i wanted to start off with that just to kind of illustrate the difference between what what we're trying to get more people doing and that is be that scientific coach so if you're a trainer listening to this rewind this and listen to that definition again um and you can even if you follow me on dan flanick strength at a, on instagram i even posted that so for people to read so you can go read it there too um, but so let, let's dive into it, though, Matt, Do you have any questions about that before we dive into it, Maddie?
1: No, we're good to go so far. Okay,
0: cool. So there are dozens, like like that. Maddie asked before there are dozens of certifications, at least probably hundreds of certifications out there, um, most of which are completely irrelevant and unnecessary and don't really mean very much. So I I could talk about those two exhaustion, like I said before, but I'm breaking this down into the three, what I consider to be the three best um, certifications that are out there and my take on them. So the first one is the gold standard of the personal training fitness world um, to, I would say most trainers and, and fitness professionals out there. And that is the National Strength and Conditioning Association Certified Strength and Conditioning Specialist. So you'll hear it abbreviated as NSCA CSCS. It's CSCS, right? okay. It's a prideful thing for somebody to say, "Yeah, I'm CSCS," right? As if it's uh, the be all, end all. the The problem with that certification is, and and I have experience in all three of these, so this isn't just me looking at. This is actually like understanding what it, what you have to do to get it, and the difficulty of getting it, and going through the actual process of getting it. So the NSCA, uh, you have to have a bachelor's degree. So most certifications, you don't have to have a college degree at all. So at least hey, we're making strides there. However, your bachelor's degree can be in anything. It doesn't have to be in exercise science or biology or physiology or anything. It can you can be an art major and and go get it. So the, when you think of that, it's kind of like, well, how much does that really matter if you have to have a master's, I mean, excuse me a bachelor's degree? Not that much. Not saying that if you have a bachelor's degree in anything but a science, it 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 doesn't mean you can't be a coach and you can't be a really great coach because there are plenty of coaches who are fantastic who did not go to school for exercise science. Um, so that I'm not saying that. However, so you have to have a bachelor's degree. And the the way that the, the test works is you go into your you know, you can go into your local HR block. That's where I took mine in an H and R block. And it was the it was the beginning of my spring semester, a senior year. Um, so I had no experience really, uh, actually by that point in time, I actually had a, a little over a year and a half or two years experience, but most people have no experience really training anybody. Um, and I took the test and then I, uh, two hours later I finished the test and I passed and then there I was, I was an expert in the field because I had a CSCS from the National Strength and Conditioning Association. Um, that's the extent of the test. Uh, the preparation for it, there's uh, the book that the NSCA has put out, which is which honestly probably needs to be updated. I think it came out in 2008, which if a book comes out in 2008, it was probably written, it was written before that clearly. So uh, almost 10 years old information and it's still the book they're using. Um, But if if you read the book and then you can go in and you could pass the test. If you study that book, you can pass the test. So one book, one test, two hours later, you pass. And then you are considered at the top of the field um, among most fitness professionals because that that is the gold standard of the fitness world so that's the first one I wanted to hit on um what do you what do you what's your response to that Maddie? what do you what, does that sound what, I don't know would you trust a mechanic to fix your car who you know read a book and took a test on it
1: no definitely not and and that's so interesting because I've seen exactly what you're talking about I've seen you know people that put CSCS after their name you know to make sure that uh that you know it and and when I look at, like, the local gyms, I see that that's one of the ones, you know, they often require to be a personal trainer.
0: Like, you have to have a CSCS. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, it's, it's funny because, like, not say, I'm not saying it's just, like, a horrible certification, like, not to go get it or anything like that. It's just, like, this is the gold standard for this field. Like, this is the barrier of entry to be considered it's one of the experts in the field right? So uh, basically read a book, take a test. Every, everybody now this day and age is, is getting a bachelor's degree. Now it's kind of, you know, now the next thing is going to be like to be right. stand out is getting a master's degree. That's a whole different topic. But anyway, so it's not that difficult. That's all I'm trying to illustrate with this. So here's the gold standard. And that's the barrier of entry to the field. Of course, you have to have your, uh, your CPR and stuff, but you should have that anyway, if you're going to be training people. Um, the next one I'd like to talk about, and I'll go a little bit more in depth because it requires a little more depth is uh, this certification known as the uh, Strength and Conditioning Coach Certified, and it's in the college world, so that's why most people in the in the private sector don't haven't really heard of it because it doesn't really apply to them. So at least the, the college world is starting to see that the CSCS that's the that now that's like actually the minimum barrier to entry, right? So in order to be an intern now and work with like a power five football team, you actually have to have a CSCS before you didn't. So now they're requiring people to have a little bit higher standards in their, even their intern selection. So they have the CSCS, which, you know, that's what we just talked about before. And then now the, you know, the gold standard in the college world is that strength and conditioning coach certified. And that's through the collegiate strength and conditioning coaches association, right? So CSCCA and the certification is the SCCC. And now that if someone has that, wow. Right. And uh, I'll explain that process, too. So you actually have to have mentor hours, which I really like. I forget how many it is off the top of my head. I should have looked that up before. Um, but I believe I don't even want to give an estimate, but let's just it, it, it's significant amount of hours um, that that you have to have under the tutelage of somebody who is already a strength and conditioning coach certified. So, um, when I did it, I went, I was at Baylor and I spent I don't way more than the required hours. I think I want to say 300, I think it's 300 hours under a certified, uh, coach through this organization. So there's a positive right there. Like you actually get, you know, practical experience underneath somebody who has been in the field and is, is, has the expertise enough. Um, to be able to teach you how to coach people, um, and at Baylor, that's where that's where I was training for mine, and and where I got those hours done, and uh, so that's the first thing. the The second thing you have to do is, other than the uh, the mentor hours, is you have to write a program. So a couple months before the the seminar, excuse me, the conference that you go to, which is usually in you know once a year in May, um, a couple months before that, you have to write a program for a usually a collegiate team that the organization sends to you right so i think mine was i had to write an off season men's basketball program and you have to write this program up and then send it into them um and then as the uh as the seminar approaches you you have to get ready for the test because so once you get to the conference in May. So the first thing is you got to get those mentor hours. The second thing is you got to write a program for the team that they tell you they want you to write the team for, excuse me, the program for. And then when you get, you go to the conference and the only place you could get certified is at the conference. You, uh, you're in a room, I don't know, usually about a hundred and something people. And then you take a written test and the written test was almost the way I remember it was almost exactly the same as the CSCS. Um, and it was all multiple choice. So no real written like comprehensive uh response question just multiple choice um just like the cscs except this time it's pen and paper um and then after that there actually is there's two practical portions uh which like i said this one is definitely getting better in the in the right direction in my opinion uh the first practical portion or it doesn't really matter you 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 choose is random you might hit one first the other one second or switch vice versa so the first one that, that I did was you have to defend your program in front of four what they call master SCCCs. So these are people who I think have been in the field for over 12 years or 13 years, maybe 10 years. They've been in the field long enough to be, you know, to hit that 10,000 hour rule. And they're the master SCCCs, which are, you know, and if you're in the college world, there, there's some big time uh, coaches that do this. Uh, like Coach Kaz, Kazadi, he's one of them. Um, That's the only thing off the top of my head. I don't really know all of them. Pat Ivey, he was one, he was at Missouri. But anyway, they they sit in front of you at a table and then they go through your program and then they question you and you have to defend it and give your reasoning and logic behind why you chose the exercises you chose and why you chose the sets and reps and the loads and the intensity and the volume. And and they sit there and and pick your brain and want to see if you can confidently defend your program and they want to make sure that you can logically progress people uh, athletes through a program you know without doing anything insanely crazy um so it, that's i think that's really positive thing about that that certification so you get fifteen minutes and you're in the hot seat for fifteen minutes um, then we have a uh, Sorry, Manny just sent me a message about we can we can talk about these as long as we want. At <laughs> first, right. we were gonna That's go right. real. We were trying and keep this episode short, but we could break it up for the uh, starting strength coach credential because we could talk to exhaustion about that one. So anyway, so just to, just to recap, so so you're not lost, okay? You have to send in, excuse me. You have to get mentor hours underneath a a certified coach. Uh, but when
1: I just looked that up, and it looks like it's six hundred and
0: forty. So, oh, they must have upped it then. Okay, good. So six hundred and forty, uh, hours as a mentee. Um, then it's the program, is that still what it says? The program you have to you have to send in a couple of weeks before the um the actual conference itself. And then after that when you go to the conference you have to defend your program and then for in for fifteen minutes in front of some master coaches and then Another 15 minutes you spend actually teaching the lifts. So after you do your program defense, you have to go and teach the lifts in front of another set of master coaches who are sitting at a table in front of you. And they'll tell you the lifts. You don't know beforehand, um, but mine were the power clean, the squat, and the bench press. And you have to teach them as if you're teaching a bunch of college athletes the lifts. Um, The only problem with that that I had was that it was 15 minutes there too, and To teach somebody to squat and power clean and bench in 15 minutes is... uh, With a college athlete, I guess it can be done just because a lot of times they can look at you performing it and because they're so aware and in tune with their bodies, they don't really need much coaching when it comes to that stuff so they can just do it by mimicking. Uh, However, to me, it doesn't say much if you're teaching somebody these lifts in 15 minutes. Like That's too fast. Um, I could sit there and talk about... The reason why we put our feet hip width apart for five minutes during the squat and then talk about bar position and uh, you could talk about the squat for hours, which actually happens at the starting strength seminar. (laughs) So for 15 minutes to teach a lift is not enough time. So does it really gauge someone's ability to thoroughly understand the lift and thoroughly know how to teach it? Um, So that was one issue that I had with that certification. Um, So then if you pass those things, right, if you pass the written test, if you pass those two practical portions, so your program defense and the uh, the performance or the instruction of the lifts, then you can become a strength, a certified strength and conditioning coach. So I would say I mean, would you agree that that's that is significantly better than things in the past and significantly better than what the gold standard is, you know, into the, the the private fitness world?
1: That's certainly better than just passing a a multiple choice test. Yes. For sure. Mm -hmm.
0: And so, go ahead.
1: I was going to say, so the thing about that to me is a lot of people probably aren't going to run into anybody in their local like Gold's Gym or, you know, uh, Anytime Fitness or whatever that is an SCCC. So, um Like, talk just a little bit. You know, we don't have to talk about each individual one, obviously, because that would take a long time. But, like, what are the kind of certifications that you're going to see, you know, when you go to your $50 a month gym? So,
0: you're going to see, if you see, uh, typically you'll see somebody, you'll see at least one person there with a CSCS. Um, And then other certifications are the ACSM, like the American College of Sports Medicine, NASM, which I don't... I don't remember it saying NASM. Mm-hmm. I don't remember that National Academy That's of Sports okay. Medicine or something like that. Um, and I was just reading through these before we started this podcast, and it's very similar to the CSCS. Read a book, take a test, you become a you become a, a trainer. Um, those don't require. Some of them might require more like degrees, you know, an associates or a bachelors, but um, very very similar to the CSCS. Um, there there's not really that much to, in my opinion there's really yeah. not no difference at all between yeah. between that so and, yeah
1: so here's my question as a lay person like why are there so many different ones
0: um <laughs> money, and maybe we don't know the answer to this uh one. no i think we do i think it comes down to money yeah yeah okay and that's why that i actually think that that's a reason why it's so uh the barrier to entry like there's no like licensure or anything like that or like governing agency that's the the or like the 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 body that tells what standards need to be met so organizations can kind of make up their own standards and uh develop certifications and i mean you're starting to see this too with just like private like just strength coaches they'll come up with their own like i mean one that i've heard of i don't know much about this one but a perfect example is someone that we both really we both really like zach Evanish. like he has his underground strength coach right um, and I'm not saying he's just doing that to make money. I think he's actually trying to do what we're trying to do, which is change the field and make make people better, um, hold professionals to a higher standard. So I'm not I'm not bashing his at all. If anything, I don't know anything about it really, but I, I know from what I follow him, and he he seems like he's trying to do the right things. Um, but when it comes down to those bigger organizations, I, th- I think it has a lot to do with you know making money, uh, getting as many you know making it easy, seem easy. Similar, we're well, actually going to have an episode about fitness crap that you're probably getting sold on right now or at least people are trying to sell you on but kind of appealing to oh the, the barrier of entry is easy so let's get as many people to do this and sell them on our certification and our educational tools and that kind of stuff and I'm not saying all of it's negative like paying for education is fine um, but I just think a lot of it is to to make money that's why there's a lot of different certifications out there They're businesses so I'm not saying it's bad or good it's just their business
1: So we'll probably wrap this one up now, but I guess what you're saying this kind of comes down to is uh, we have all these certifications out there, but really, like, while it might might seem impressive for somebody to have all these letters after their name, it's basically, you know, one step up from just being... You know, a guy who likes to go to the gym. Really? Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. And that's why... Like, like, you've you've read a book. It doesn't mean that you have done anything. Yeah.
0: And then the thing is, too, that's why I guess it goes back to that whole point of, like, certifications don't really matter that much. Because I actually... Like, I know coaches who've let their CSCS run out. They don't have that at all. But they're the best coaches that I've ever ever met, you know? Um, So you could have fantastic coaches with a CSCS. And you could have horrible coaches or trainers with a CSCS that... um, so like how do you know how do you, how you can't be sure that this certification is trustworthy, you know, because right. there's no the, the standard you, you can't guarantee that that person that, who has it that you might be hiring to train you is going to be um, knowledgeable, really knowledgeable enough to pass a test, but knowledgeable enough to make you better for for a long period of time and teach you the skills necessary to be able to do this yourself and actually understand them themselves That's the question that comes up. And that's why, like Mark Ripito says it all the time, he says, uh, most trainers need a trainer. And this is why. That's why. The barrier of entry is so easy.
1: Yeah. All right. So, Dan, I think we'll do a little change of plans. In the next episode, we'll just talk totally about the starting strength coach certification. Does that sound all right? Sounds good to me, Maddie. All All right. Excellent. Well, thank you for that information today, man. And we will talk to everybody next time. Sounds good. Thank you for listening to More Than Strength. Be sure to check out morethanstrength.com slash podcast for links and show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, leave us a rating and review on iTunes and tell a friend. Thanks.